Macarion to Stokes, who's onside. Here's Sims to put Sims from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it. Just a minute to play. That's stoppage time. Here's Letizia. Happier times. The question uh, is, John, what, what would this season's contribution be to that uh, highlights reel? Yeah, well, I think it's quite telling, isn't it, that we basically haven't really had to add to the commentary <laughs> for a good number of seasons. Um, uh, for those of you wondering what's going on, um, we, we, we've been linking the volume of podcasts uh, we've done this season to Saints home wins in the Premier League so you know you'll recognize that we've done two this season already this is the third one this is some sort of hopeful bid um, that our friends who are season ticket holders might see their third uh, win and and the last (laughs) win in the Premier League um, you know for whoever knows how many years Um, it's episode 117 only the third one of the season but but there we go Tom it's great to see you even if it is us Picking over the bones <clears throat> of what has been a dreadful, dreadful season. Yeah, I mean, bones bones at least have marrow, have some sort of nourishment inside them. This is like the desiccated remains of, a, <laughs> of, of God knows what this season. I genuinely, I, you know, you, you give so much emotional energy day to your football club, far too much. And um, this season, they've just given you nothing back. Desperately sad. Yeah, I mean, is this? I don't think this is going to be a highlights show of the season. Should we? Should we do? Should we get the highlights out, yeah. out of the way in the first sort of like thirty seconds, and then then we can just get into <laughs> the, the good stuff. So, I mean, we started the season uh, with a four-one loss to Tottenham um, in twentieth position in the league, and obviously that's where we we are guaranteed to finish. Um, but we did beat Leicester. And we did beat Chelsea on the 30th of August. And I th- I would, was that the the peak, the highlight of Southampton's season? Uh, sadly, yes. I think it it looked, we looked pretty good, didn't we, against Chelsea? I mean, even Adam Armstrong scored, which is like a, I don't know, like funny, a golden egg. But but yeah, I think so. I think it was the game kind of Lavia came into his own a little bit. And um, like you say, we'd got that win away against Leicester. We'd won at home against against Chelsea, and you know people seemed to be behind Ralph a bit more. The crowd were were, were good, um, and I think you know there was a bit there was excitement. And I just genuinely, I think you're right. I think like, if we look at since then, it was like 30th of August. So where are we now? We're like the 24th of May. So that's the best part of nine months and in that time seen us win is it four more times five more times even seven times six times um let's have a look we had the two wins under ralph we beat leicester twice beat chelsea twice beat bournemouth yeah um we beat everton away oh that rare everton away. 
Yeah, that yeah. was the only Nathan Jones win, wasn't it? That's um, it. Yeah. And then there's just a sea of red all around it. I mean, the the other one I enjoyed was the um, the the win against Manchester City in the League Cup quarterfinal. Yeah, there's going to be a pop quiz question, isn't there? Like, who was the manager to stop Pep Guardiola winning the quadruple? <laughs> People will scratch their heads, and there'll uh, be that it, scra- scrappy dude from the from the mining town. He ain't any scrappy dude, Tom. He's the best manager in Europe. And, um, you know, statistically, statistically, statistically. Yeah. Yeah. Was it they say you can lies, lies, and statistics? Yeah. I mean, yeah. what a, yeah, I, what a bleak. I don't know how, do you, how, where do we even begin? Um, <clears throat> well, uh, I guess we could try and work out where it all went wrong. I mean, you could argue that things started going wrong uh, probably after the Aston Villa game or during the Aston Villa game last season. And the season really tailed off. But I mean, that felt more like a players on the beach had the job done. We probably were never really going to qualify for Europe. And, And the players just checked out. But my God, we carried that form. I mean, we sort of carried that form into the new season, didn't we? But yeah. after that Chelsea game that we mentioned, we were up, we were in the top half of the table briefly after five games. Were we really? God. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, those it, halcyon it, days, Tom, of game week five, two wins, one yeah. draw, and two losses. And also, yeah, because also the Leeds game, you know, we, yeah, we were, we were, were we two nil down and we came back. Mm. You know, so we. That kind of feels like a win. Yeah. And we only narrowly um, lost to Man United at home as well, didn't we? Yeah. I, I It you, fell off the cliff very quickly, as things yeah. fall off cliffs tend to do. You know what? I think we could say the 30th of August was, was the end of the good times. Because also, the thing that we said at the end of last season, and throughout a lot of last season, was Ralph needs a striker. Um, we missed out on Gapco, didn't we? Was that yes. the, the day of that? Was it the 30th of August? The, the day after? Something like that. And we missed yeah, out on all the strikers that, that we'd been going in for. Um, and then as if to sort of, I don't know, I suppose to really highlight what a massive mistake that was. You know, later in that week, we were away at Wolverhampton Wanderers and Che Adams managed to miss a header on the goal line. And that really was, I think, the turning point of the season. We didn't get the striker. And then our best striker, and he is our best striker, Che Adams, missed an absolute sitter. And it's just gone downhill since then, hasn't it? I mean, it's it's about as... um. I mean, Saint season is akin to the stuff that they're pumping out into the sea, these water companies right now, isn't it? It's just been pumping that sewage out um, of St. Mary's for a good eight, nine months. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that fascinates me is, uh, it's been amazing when this season is how they've just, and I've said it on Twitter a load of times, is when you think there are no depths to plumb, they find a new low you know and that's been this season i think 
there's been so many times where you think, well, they can't, they can't do this. It can't be that bad. And they manage it and they get schooled. They either get schooled by a better team or they get just out fought and out, you know, out efforted. That's, you know, like, you know, they, they've just been so many lows. Mm. I mean, like, it's just off the top of my head, like Forest at home. Grimsby at home, you know, after we went 1-0 up against, or after we went 1-0 up and 10-man at home against Wolves, um, there's just been time after time after time of where they, the managers and the players, the players have to shoulder so much of this blame. that They've just not been able to physically impose themselves and mm. show commitment. And I think, like, the, you know, I'll bounce around loads here and I apologise, but like the, the Brighton game on Saturday was kind of, uh, Sunday, so it was, was kind of emblematic of that because the two goals we conceded from, you know, the gross goal and the first post, they're easy goals. Any defenders worth their sort of who cared and who had any sort of professional pride would have done everything they could to stop those shots you know, coming in. I mean, Gross had like four touches, didn't he, in the box before. Like, they just gave up so many times this season. And that's what was really scary. Like, I think the Forest game at home, when you knew everything, not everything, but so much was riding on it. So much was riding on it. And they just capitulated. You know, they just gave up. And it's just astonishing. You know, it's been a, there's been so many lows, John. Mm. There have been a, a lot of lays. Um, I mean, I, I was thinking, I mean, one of the biggest disappointments for me, um, if we go beyond the performances on the pitch, is just that sense of there's no one in the squad who's able to take responsibility or be a grown up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've heard this phrase be leaked from the club a couple of times now about it's just James Ward-Prowse and a bunch of kids. Um, and I, I just think, you know, that I think we'll, we'll get into Sports Republic's, you know, extremely long list of mistakes that we've got this season. Um, but in, in so many of those games where things have gone badly, you just feel like, yeah, could it have been a Nathan Redmond moment of brilliance? Could it have been a Romeo stopping the attack coming down the middle of the park? Uh, could it have been one of the sort of Jack Stevens performances where he rallies the troops and suddenly everyone's pay- playing at 110% with their hearts on their sleeves and, and giving them their all? And there, there just seems to be so many moments like that. You know, Fraser Forster as well. I mean, how many times has the ball gone into the goal? And you'd have thought, and this is, you know, like Gavin Blazini comes across as a very sensitive, kind, intelligent man, but he's not a Premier League standard goalkeeper. And the amount of times that the ball has gone through him and you just think Fraser Forster would have stopped that is is so many. But, you know, you'd say we'll come on to sports Republic's failures, but it's very difficult to not pin so much of this on them, if not all of it. Because, you know, you talk about Pazunu. Now, 
with we saw McCarthy at the weekend. That ball going straight through McCarthy. They, you know, yeah, it was hit pretty hard, but it's just straight through the guy like he wasn't even there. He threw him like a deck of cards, and like, you know, how can they, how can they honestly look at it and say, okay, we've got a kid from League One who's meant to be pretty mustard, but he is from League One, and we've got a guy that we know is not good enough, and that's our goalkeeping options. That's what we've got. I'm not saying they should have kept Forster because they can't keep Forster because Forster was a free agent and he, let's face it, in the end of his career, he has a chance to go to Spurs and jump his already considerable salary up by 50%. He's always going to take it. But how can they, you know, if you look at the bat, there was a stat being around, banded around at the weekend that Bazunu's XG conceded is something like 20 goals worse than it should be. And it's difficult to kind of look past that, but you don't blame him because he should never be in that position. He should never be the number one goalkeeper. He might be the number one goalkeeper at Man City because they don't concede that many shots. Yeah, he might be fine being there. He could maybe be the number one goalkeeper at Man City because he. But when you're faced with the volume of shots and the chaos in front of you that he is having to deal with, and the and the kind of anarchy that manifests itself in that back line and beyond for Saints. You know, you feel sorry for the kid, but there's your number one mistake right there. Is and it kind of sums up, doesn't it? it comes out of Sports Republic kind of data-led approach, which actually ignores all of the realities. It's just uh, yeah. I mean, the, there's gut feeling comes not from the gut, but from years of experience, intuition. Um, and what we have in Sports Republic, and probably you'd say that Rasmus Ankerson is the face of this approach, is you have a group of people or owners or you know whoever it is that's calling the shots that think they're smarter than they are. Mm. They think they're smarter than everyone else. Um, and you know, one of the reasons why, you know, there are still, you know, traditional style football managers, scouts, clubs, players, etc., is because it isn't all about the data and analytics. That can tell you a lot, but so can the gut. So can those yeah. things that, that, you know, I mean, how do you get the data for someone like Oriol Romeo, right? So I know he got sent off for the first time in his career, didn't he, at the weekend. But the yeah. amount of times he sailed that close to the wind uh, for Southampton. Uh, for those of you listening and not watching me, I was just holding my finger, you know, to a very, <laughs> very small signal. Things not to do on podcasts. Um, but, you know, how, how do you capture that data? And it's it's those sort of unknowns. You know, m- maybe you look at Diallo's stats and, you know, statistically, he is as good as Romeo. But you watch a game and they're worlds apart. I mean, I don't know if Diallo is, but you know, again with Lavia, the, the kids I mean, the kid is still a kid. I know he looks like a big, strong man, and he is, and he's considerably bigger and stronger than, than I am, but yeah. he's you know, his body is not cut out for a full season in the Premier League. And as much as it was a sentimental move to let Romeo go to Girona. 
we, we we've blocked players' moves in the past. Do you remember when we blocked Schneiderlin moving? I think was it to Spurs, and he did one more season yeah. at Saints, and he was absolutely sensational that season. Then he got moved to Man United. And yes, he threw his toys out of the pram. He didn't play for a few weeks, but ultimately, Saints were a much better team. But because of it, and Romeo, I think, is probably ten times the professional that Schneiderlin is. And if oh, we yeah. said to him, "No, you know what? It's a transition season. Uh, we've got this Lavia guy. We'll start to wind you down, but this get is a planned transition, and then you then you get to go to Girona next season." Yeah. And I'm sure he would have been able to do that. I mean, Nathan Redmond is playing in, in the Turkish Premier League now with like, um, and you just think like, he's not of the age that he needs to be in the swan song of his career. Now, did Redmond frustrate Saints fans? Yes, he did. Mm. Was he also more talented than the majority of Saints players in the squad? Yes, he was. Was he able to do something in games that other players weren't able to do? I mean, remember, Saints fans used to get frustrated with Tadic. Yeah. And look at what Tadic has done. He's a world-class footballer. Yeah. Yeah. And and the reason why people get frustrated with Redmond is because his ceiling is so high and he didn't meet his ceiling all the time. But, you know, would would he have performed well enough to have got us maybe three extra wins this season, maybe five extra goals? I mean, you think of all those times that Adozi, who's clearly very, very skilled, has you know, beaten players, got to the byline, but then his final ball, his cross, his shot just hasn't shooting, been good enough. Um, his shooting has, has been dreadful, really. And you can see that he will be a, a great player in the future. I'm sure he will be. He's incredibly talented. And I think Bazunu will be a fantastic goalie in the future. I think Ruben Sellers will probably be a good manager in the future. But... We're operating in today and we've got too many things for the future and not enough things for right here, right now. And that is the reason why we are undoubtedly the worst team in the Premier League. Oh, yeah. We're not just, we are so far the worst team in the Premier League as well. We're not even, there's not even anything in it. But you, you raise, you know, many, many, many correct and good points. And I think... The one thing that amazes me is with the data. Uh, and John, you work in your job with lots of data, I imagine, right? And my company I work for uses a lot of data, like all modern companies do. But like the one thing that sports public didn't do is they didn't get a head up from the data and go, okay, this is what we think the data tells us. Does anyone else do this? Like, does anyone else in the Premier League have a 19-year-old League One goalkeeper? No, they don't. You know, does anyone else have a forward rely completely their goal scoring on a forward who's never scored more than what like nine goals in the Premier League? No, they don't. Does anyone else have, you know, a midfield that is, you know, relying solely on an eighteen year old who's never played a senior game a game in the Premier League for? Turns out he's brilliant. But like, you know, it's all these things they relied on. And they got rid of the known knowns. They got rid of like your Romeo, who is a known quantity. You know what he's going to do. And you know also he makes the best player in that team better. That's what Romeo does as well. He's not just a really good player himself. He makes the best player better. And it, it's just a suicide thing. And I think you know, it will be Premier League clubs will, Southampton will become, in not just Premier League, sports clubs around the world 
and business organisations, Southampton will become a case study. Sports Republic ownership of Southampton will become a case study in how not to do it. And and everything about it, like, you know, you ask, you'd be fair to say, is there anything that's better about the club since they came in? Is there anything at all that's improved? You look to that, you know, this week, Sevens has gone. Uh, all right, he was going anyway, but he's gone early. They've managed to have a complete exodus of of senior staff. You know, recruitment, analytics, scouting, commercial, gutted. It's all gone. And they've just run the organisation, whether it's a football club or a business or school or whatever it is, they've run it terribly. And I just... I think that they, they obviously, and Ankerson obviously just thinks he's far too clever for his own good. And my worry is, you know, we saw the announcement this week of, you know, reshuffling the management. And the thing that was there that was the most worrying was Rasmus Ankerson, you know, A, you know, Rasmus Ankerson is going to take more of a leading role in developing the football, you know, football strategy or, you know, oversee football matters. And it's like everything he's been involved in has gone wrong. Yeah. You know, virtually they've signed, they spent, they spent, God knows how much on players, like 100 and... 150 million plus. Yeah. How many of them? Probably what? So what would you say out of those, the success? Lavia at five? Is five million is the success? There's no other player, I think. The players have generally been awful. Do do, Um, do you want to, shall I run through them all? Yeah, go on, let's do it. Gavin Pizzini. XG minus Four. twenty. Yeah. Not, not but again, I don't think I don't think it's Pizzini's fault. Like I, I think right. like there's a lot of unfair criticism. He's a kid. He's never been put in this position. Yeah. Matthias Liss. Oh god, yeah. Goalkeeper. We've not even seen him, have we? No. ABK. Armella Bellacott chap. Is that under Sports Republic signing? Twenty first of June, twenty twenty two. All Did right. we have him on loan last season before? I feel like no, we've he, had him longer. No, no he was this I, season. Is he? No, he's not just like, no, that's not right. He's not. He was playing. Because that would suggest this is his first season. Oh, maybe it was, because, yeah, because he came and did really well, went to the World Cup and then came back and has not been very good at all. Yeah. But again, he's one of those players who... Like, I don't think they've signed dreadful players individually. They mm. just haven't thought about how it works in a functioning Premier League team. So we've got, we got Romeo Lavia. I think we can say that's a success. That's a success. We've got Joe Rebo. What a fascinating... What's a Joe... I mean, we used to laugh when we say, what's the war prowess? But Jesus Christ... What a damning indictment of the Scottish Premier League Joe Rebo is. Um, uh, Sekumara. And I, I think when we signed him, we had some concerns that we were signing a striker who'd scored four goals in a team that got relegated for Liga. Again, and I, like, and I think I think not... that transpired. As yeah. We our concerns were 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 founded on, you know, basically the reality. But I don't think. But again, like he's not 
I don't think he's a bad player. And then Saints have made some mad decisions. So we lose 4-1 at home to Man City. Mara scores, just doesn't get seen again. Yeah, scores doesn't yeah doesn't get seen. It's just it's a there's so many like completely insane yeah. decisions. Go on. Um, DJ Coletta Star should be a really good player. Has it, at times looked a really good player. Lost his mind completely. He's a bit of an enigma, isn't he? He hasn't got the head for it. I think is. I'm gonna put him down to being bad. I know because I think he's a good player. I just think he's badly managed. I think he's a really good player. Yeah, good player, badly managed, or good player. Lost maybe, his mind. Yeah, lost his mind. A dozy. Talented, what was that, no so end product. Talented, no end product. Played loads of games, looked good, and then one day just vanishes. Yeah. Re- and then suddenly at the end of the season, suddenly at the end of the season, just reappears just again. Appears, just reappears again. It's so weird. Yeah. Juan Larios. That guy is never going to be a Premier League footballer. He's about my size. He's tiny. Uh, Jack Stewart. This is one that I didn't know about. Jack Stewart, we signed from Everton. Apparently he's another goalkeeper. We'll let him off. Literally yeah. never heard of the guy. I, I know. <laughs> Okay, then then we get into our January transfer window. So this is our this is, this is our, up. right. So hang on, we signed three goalkeepers, not one good enough for the Premier League. Um, in that yeah. in that window, um, we've that's got, really that's really something, isn't it? And also, and then kept kept the one that we know is definitely not also the at the level we need uh, Premier League yeah. goalkeepers. Um, yeah, two no three defenders. Potchap, Coletasar, and Larios. But again, really? you know, of those three, Coletasar is the only one with any real experience, isn't he? Yeah. But but then has made possibly the most stupid mistakes this season. Uh, I think uh, my man Leonko is going to want to have a word with you on that. <laughs> yeah. I think Coletasar has made mistakes that were completely unnecessary, whereas Leonko. So I think it's just punching the Grimsby guy. Yeah, that really annoyed me. I did. I I worked very hard not to swear then, Tom. You did. You your your mouth swore, but you the the noise didn't come out. But like, but that kind of if anything sums up Saints, the chaos of the Grimsby game kind of sums up Saints, isn't it? This season, and like that, him doing that, and just the complete naivety of Mm. it. And I, it just, they're just so, again, like, they're unprofessional. Yeah. Uh, so then we've got the midfielders, Lavia, Aribe, and a Dosi. You could put a Dosi down as a forward and then Sekimara as a forward. Um, what did we say that we absolutely desperately needed in the summer? We needed a proven goal proven scorer. Proven goal scorer, yeah. Did we get a proven goal scorer? No, we did not. No, we did not. Did we also sell and lose a, a relatively okay spine of the team there, I think? You know, a Forster, Stevens, Romeo. But the annoying thing is, right? Redmond. Redmond. The annoying thing about this, the thing that really gets you go, right, is 
Stevens has gone on loan and helped another team stay up. Yeah. And um, Romeo went on goodwill. You know, so like we've actively given away two of our probably like in a team which, you know, you've said for ages, you just said earlier, and you're right, there's noise out the club for ages. It's like Ward Powers is the only leader. But when they did talk about other leaders, Jack Stevens was always one. He wasn't mm-hmm. the best player, but he was always, you know, they always said he's a leader and he's vocal. And Romeo, obviously. So yeah. then we let well, 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 even, even Redmond as well. You look at the way the young players look up. You know, Kyle Walker Peters talked very, very fondly of Nathan Redmond. Nathan Redmond in interviews has said that he sort of felt like it's his role to help younger players. Um, and I know he's frustrated fans, but you, do you remember when he took himself away for a, a summer and yeah. did that American training plan? He just came back and he was it was brilliant. Yeah, and 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 also. You you said a point about um, Tadic earlier and Redmond, and I think one of the what I meant to say was, and I said this time about Tadic, Saints fans are pretty aggy anyway. I think sorry everyone's listening, but I think we'd all agree that our 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 bar for having a whinge is pretty low, <laughs> especially at St Mary's. And the, I think players like Redmond, they get they draw frustration, they draw bruise, and Tadic was the same. And they're doing it because they get stuff wrong, but they, they, they're getting stuff wrong because they're trying to do stuff. They're trying to beat a man. They're trying to make a difficult pass. They're trying to do something that breaks the line, that, mm. that changes the game. Tadic was always trying that, wasn't he? He was always trying to thread the, the difficult pass because that's the pass, you know, like Mara's pass against Leeds earlier this season for Walker, uh, Walker Peters to score that equalising goal. It's that pass that is the difference in the Premier League. And, you know, we just, you know, instead what we've done is we've filled our team. And Elian Easley is the archetypal example of this, of a player who is just entirely functional, but has no seemingly, although ostensibly a creative player, has no creative output. Mm. And I think, and, and, you know, like that is, and I would say the same about Adozi. Yeah, he, you know, looks great, beats one. Beats two, goes to the line. Ball never really makes it in. Beats one on the edge of the area. Can he shoot? No, he faints to beat another one, gets tackled. Like they, they took they these are players that they that were experienced and that tried to do difficult things. And yeah, it didn't always work. But but the idea, yeah, that we let two of our leaders go just because we wanted to be nice is it's freaking nuts. It's it's awful, isn't it? Um Tom, I've realised as well, we have forgotten one of the players that we signed in September. Can you think of the one that I've forgotten? Um, we, yeah. were, we, were dis- no, we were discussing um, his performance against Nottingham Forest away. Oh, um... Ainsley Maitland Niles, Tom. Ainsley Maitland Niles. There you go. What was that Again, signing that... about? I mean, what has he ever yeah, done? Look, well, I guess the idea, isn't it, is that there's clearly a talented footballer there because you don't spend that long at Arsenal, you know, if you're not a good footballer. And Ainsley Maitland Niles is probably going to be one of those characters that goes around from club to club, 
like it's like a bad boy isn't it like women like you know women are always like oh i can change him he's going to be different than me no he's not 80 million dollars is still going to be a bit overweight too slow too ponderous not ambitious enough you know he's an anomaly he's like something out of like the 60s 70s 80s isn't he like a kind of like clodhopper journeyman utility man that is not really good enough to do anything but you know it's probably what like 60 grand a week and and i think again like maitland Niles is just he's been shown to be completely out of his depth in a team like this and that you know the penalty against uh, against forest was yeah it was unlucky in some respects it is unlucky but also it sums up kind of everything eight Mars is all about which is not being quiet at pace not having the control and then trying too hard to make up for it yeah and there you go that's the penalty and like you know what in a weird way part of me still thinks if we'd have won away at forest i think we could have done something I think it's too late by then. I think it was. I think it was the yeah. two-goal lead Four, we gave yeah. away at the Emirates. That was that was the final hope. Yeah. Oh, the other thing is, isn't it remarkable to score three goals? I think three times and not win any of those games. I mean that that is remarkable. Um, the, I mean we we should we get to the January signings? I mean. Oh yeah, let's go. On. So, this is so, where the so, real. So let's go. We, we've had Ralph, who has generally been a successful manager for Saints. Um, he's fallen out with the players. After twelve games. How many? How many points did Ralph get after twelve games? I can tell you. Was it twelve? Fourteen points. Uh, Fourteen points, Ralph. I'm pretty sure after twelve games. Fourteen. Yeah, which is deemed not good enough. Yeah. I mean, I think when did he get sacked? It wasn't Uh, after twelve games, was it? He got sacked. I'm pretty sure. He got sacked. He got sacked after 14 After the games. Newcastle game. He got sacked after 14 games. He got sacked after the Newcastle game, didn't he, at home, where they got absolutely yeah. tonked. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I think I think you've got your, your 12 and your 14 mixed up there. I think he had oh, 12 okay, points yeah, after yeah. 14 games. Which is still about a better point ratio by far than we've got now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Miles. I mean, Ralph Hasenhüttl uh, has been our best manager this season. Comfortably. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if we carried on that form, I, I did work this out before, didn't I? I think we would have ended up on something like 34 points this season. 34, yeah, it's like 34, 35, which is enough. We'd probably be all right. Yeah. Because also we'd have taken points. The problem is as well, we gifted all of these points to the teams around us. Yeah. I mean, with the exception of like Leicester and Leeds, who we've got. Um, yeah. I yeah, So took, my projected total for Ralph Hasselhuttle was 33 points. Which would have got us relegated but we'd have still been in it on the last day of the season yeah and also again though it would have that would have meant we've got nine extra points those nine extra points would have come from 
some of the teams around us. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's a huge guess game, but it, it's not just that, you know, because if we've got nine points, someone else hasn't got, other teams haven't got nine points. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, so Ralph goes at home to Newcastle, we get absolutely tonked. And he goes, and it seems the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean, we had that discussion, didn't we, Tom, where <clears throat> my sort of argument was that Ralph Hassenhuttle suited Southampton because he's a roller coaster manager, and we had ups and downs, um, and you pointed out all the things that lots of other Saints fans and players have pointed out at that point, which was that things weren't working and we were on a slow downward trajectory. It's still my feeling that if we'd stuck with Ralph, I actually think I look back at some of those games and I think, well, I mean, I think we could quite easily find the extra nine points. Um, yeah. Home to Nottingham Forest is one, one of those. That would be three points there. Definitely. We wouldn't have lost that. Um, I feel yeah. like we probably, you know, there's, I mean, both games we lost to Brentford badly. Aston Villa were there for the taking in January when we lost one nil to them. I know they've done well, but I, I, I just, I just feel like yeah, there's a lot. Bournemouth at home, we wouldn't have lost to with Ralph either. No, I mean I was at that Villa game. Yeah. And uh, I've spoken about that to a lot of a lot of people I talk about football, obviously. And the Villa game was was amazing because of because um, it showed. When you watch Nathan Jones up close, it's really interesting because essentially Emery, we were quite close to where Emery was and um, where Emery is. And, and Emery basically kicks every ball for his players and tells them exactly what to do. And all you can hear is him shouting like, Tyrone, 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 run, 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 pass. Like, he, like he's telling them all the time what to do. And you can't see me because the podcast, but they're gesticulating wildly and managing the game and i remember you could just watch jones just stood there like he'd been like quantum leap like teleported in and the game just happened in front of him and yeah like you could argue we might we should have got something from it but like villa just did exactly what they need to do which is play with them which is what teams did to us all season keep us at bay and just hit us once Mm because they know we've not got we've not got if we're a boxer we don't have a knockout punch yeah. So all we have to do is just keep us at bay. Like how many how many games did we lose one nil this season? Or like ten in the end? You know, and it's because teams knew that all they had to do was just keep us at bay. That we weren't really a threat. And and you know, Villa knew that. And uh, yeah, I mean, but it goes to show like Lepetigree, Emery, you bring in the winners. It breeds, breeds good results. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it really does. I mean, I, I certainly, I don't think with Ralph we'd have had that run that we had with Nathan Jones as well. Like, home to Brighton, away to Fulham, home to Forest, away to Everton, home to Villa, away to Brentford, home to Wolves. Three points, seven losses. Yeah. I mean, just so, so bad. So inconceivable that Nathan Jones appointment. Yeah, and I think um, if you look as well, 
even the 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 signs were there, weren't they? Straight away, was it Lincoln in the cup? Yeah, he changed formation like three times. Um, I don't blame the guy for taking the job, but like my God, he was out of his depth. But again, you know, if we look at Sports Republic and we look at, you know, doesn't yeah, the data looks good, but does anyone else get managers from the championship? They don't. You know, like they don't generally. Premier League teams don't generally appoint managers from the championship. And again, like so, the data is good. If you lift your head up and you look around at what your peers and your much more successful peers are doing, none of them are doing what you're about to do. And that suggests that either you're a genius or what you're about to do is probably not the right thing to do. And that's what we've had. Yeah, I think we know that Sports Republic think of themselves as genii mm. or geniuses. Geniuses. They'll probably be able to tell us what the correct term for, for yeah. multiple geniuses is. Mm. Yeah. So, so what is the collective noun? Is it a collective <laughs> noun for a, uh, a group of geniuses? I know what the collective noun for a group of Sports Republics is. <laughs> you can't say that because you'll get this podcast level as explicit. Yeah. Um, so where does it go? So it goes wrong. So so Ralph goes, should have gone in the summer. Doesn't Hang on, summer. you know what? I, I'm I'm just not I'm not going to accept this, right? Every time I see this, people are like, oh yeah yeah yeah, but um you know Ralph should have gone in the summer, and people keep on saying it like it's something that has been learnt, it's been accepted, it's. Um, the only thing I can equate it to, um, and it's a it's a dangerous game to stray into politics on a football podcast, but it's like when you look at the total um, rubbish that the current government have been putting out, and people are like, oh, well, you know, they've had a hard time with COVID and the war in Ukraine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, you look at all of the evidence and it suggests that even with all the external factors, we've we've still performed incredibly badly as a country. And it, it's the same with Southampton. It's like, ultimately, Ralph wasn't the greatest thing in the world. Um, he wasn't that liked by the players, but he was the thing that kept Southampton in the Premier League for four seasons. And... We get rid of him, and the result is we're relegated. Yeah. And, you're, you're, you know, yeah, like, right. you can say we should have got rid of him in the summer, and we didn't get rid of him soon enough, but what does that mean? Maybe we'd have had longer time with Nathan Jones. Perhaps we'd have broken Derby County's record as the worst <laughs> Premier League team ever. I mean, nothing that has happened since Ralph has gone has been better than Saints under Ralph. So why why pretend that he had to go? I don't think he had to go. It's not like an Alan Pardew situation where something awful has happened behind the scenes where someone needs to be dispatched. Like, he just wasn't that well liked. Mm. And I don't know, maybe he could have got the kids playing a bit better than Nathan Jones and Sellers have. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like we would have we would have got a fair few more points under Ralph. There would have been a few more surprise victories. There would have been some important victories against teams like Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth, teams that are around us. 
And I think ultimately it would have been a horrible season, but we would have stayed in the Premier League. Yeah, and I think as well, uh, the other thing, I think it's all correct and all fair, but the other thing as well is we've signed so much dross, haven't we? I mean, you not even started on the January transfer window, which is where the real evidence comes in. And like, you maybe could argue that Ralph was a stronger personality, a more confident manager after four years managing the Premier League. And, you know, managing Bundesliga, managing Champions League, he would have been able to say, no, these are not the players. These are not, you know, like, whereas probably like Nathan Jones probably was just like, just give me whatever I can get. Mm. He's like, you know, these are, these are players are ostensibly on paper, double the quality of players that I've ever, you know, these are World Cup players, players that I've never had the opportunity to coach or work with or play with. So it's, you know, whereas Ralph, you, you maybe Ralph would have been like, well, hang on a minute. This lanky Belgian guy, this lanky Irish Belgian guy, he is not going to, the pace of the Premier League is too much for him. You know, this Orsic guy, well, yeah, look good in the World Cup, but where else he played? China and Croatia? You know, like it's, it just doesn't, no, sorry, Japan and Croatia, like it, these, the, the, you wonder, like, it's, it's one of those great, like, alternative histories, isn't it? Like, history fractures. The sliding doors moment. Sliding doors moment. And, We'll never know, but I think you raised lots of good points. And the one thing I think we do know is that would Ralph have it? Would Ralph have been able to motivate that group of players to be less spineless? And I think he would have been because there's lots that's been bad this season. But the worst thing, the most painful thing, is just this, seeing the insipidness of it all and them just rolling over. And that's been the worst. Anyway. Yeah. So Joe, well, sh- do you want? Or yeah, where do you want to go next? This I is mean, like this is like when Sideshow Bob treads on all the rakes everywhere we go. It's a nightmare. <laughs> there's no, there's no safe space. There's no to here, Tom. <laughs> oh my God! I mean, Nathan Jones is just it's just the most unbelievable managerial appointment you could have ever possibly made. Um, so bad. So, so the funny bad. thing is, right, I work with a QPR fan. He's a really, really good guy. He's QPR season holder. And when we, when we go over there, he's like, you know, he's mad. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, yeah, everyone in the Football League knows Nathan Jones is totally insane. And, like, that's a thing. And you, you, he'll be nuts. He'll either be incredible or terrible. But, like, he's totally insane. And I was like, oh, all right, yeah, sort of thing. Oh, wait, sort of thing that opposition fans say. But... He was mad. <laughs> it just he's from another planet, isn't he? And certainly not like planet Premier League, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, what what can you say about about Nathan Jones? It, it was what what I don't understand is how did he get through an interview? Like, was was there any point where anyone other than Ankerson looked at him? You wonder, don't you, if you're so stats orientated that are the stats your interview? And then they just get you in to make sure that, you know, you are who you say you are. Like, but the, you know, his Luton team, and it is his Luton team, but with his image, <laughs> they're, in the, playoff final, done, they're in the playoff final. Like, you know, I mean, there's so many funny things, isn't there? Like, Obafemi's going to be in the Premier League next year, and Saints aren't. Yeah. Luton might well be. Nathan Taylor, Jack Cork. You know, like, 
Jake Rodriguez, Stevens, like all these players. So yeah, I mean, it's but yeah, Nathan Jones is a is a fascinating one because it's seemingly like everyone knew it and they still went and did it. And the one I remember reading a fascinating thing, I think it was in the Athletic, about his time at Stoke, where like the one when he was asked to step up and do like the bigger boys because Stoke it was after Stoke had been relegated I think and they had a lot of ex-Premier League players on big money and a lot of the players were exactly the sort of players that could team like Stoke signs that you know they're like coming to the end of their careers and they're just on like huge contracts and they just couldn't give two hoops and he we busted out of Stoke after like 11 weeks or something yeah, um, but because he, but because he like, but one of the things was like he didn't know how to manage the bigger name players. He couldn't get his head around it. Um, and you know, I think everything about Nathan Jones is summed up by I think it was it was it Wolves when ten minutes ago and we're losing two one and we get a free kick and it's in like it's very close to the edge of the box, but it is James Ward Prowse territory on the right side and James Ward Prowse passes it. <laughs> Well, that's because he's been told. He must have been told to do it. Yeah. Um, anyway, ha- that's because Nathan Jones thinks he's a football genius. Because Nathan Jones thinking, everyone will be thinking he's going to shoot when he passes it. That's going to blow everyone's minds. It's going to blow everyone's minds. Which it did. Yes. I mean, if that was the outcome he was looking for, it blew everyone's minds. We didn't get a goal. Uh, Nathan Jones. Nathan Jones. Um, I, mean, no, I mean, what other, if we go through, I mean, the lowest point for me on James was Forrest at home. That was so bad. Just the complete, um, the goal, you know, let's let's reminisce about the goal of Leon. Well, I mean, also, the weird thing is, though, he, fo- he followed that up with a win away at Everton and beating Man City in the League Cup. Mm. And we recorded a podcast just after that, and we were just like, what's going on? Because the guy seems, I mean, there was what there was that story about him like setting fire to table tennis tables and stuff like that. But I mean, we thought the guy was mad. Then he got those two amazing results, and then everything that happened after that just sort of confirmed. You know, so I think the killer for him really was that game away against Brentford, and then he started talking about people in the village, yeah, and 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 being the best manager in Europe um, didn't do him any favors. One of the, but he also did a classic thing of this season. This season, one of the things that's been like, the many things that's been like incredible to watch is the complete lack of consistency on everything on the pitch. Like the formation has generally stayed the same, but the people doing it, like the defence has just been chopped and changed for seemingly like, and players come in, like I say, Mara comes in, scores, doesn't get seen again for four weeks. The dozies, everything disappears. Um, And, you know, one of those, Everton away, he moves Ward Prowse further up the pitch to play with Adams. It works. Yeah, it literally bloody works. We look cohesive. You don't see that happen again. It's just so weird. Like it's just yeah. so many, like, you know, Bazzuni playing tons of games even when he's not, he's clearly not there. And then just all of a sudden one day when it's McCarthy's right at the end of the season, McCarthy's back. And it's too late already. It's too late. Um, so should we talk about January then? And yeah. So they, they've gone all in on Nathan Jones. Mislav Orsic scores one great goal in the World Cup, gets signed. Everyone's very excited. Yeah. Despite his um, lack of 
any top league uh, experience. And um, another player that comes in quite quickly, Carlos Alcaraz. I tell you what, there's a good player. There's a good player. There's the second good signing of the season. Right, so we've gone through 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 2 out of 12. 1 out of 6. It's bad ratio. James Bree. Okay, interesting player. Plays. I actually don't think plays that badly. Gets a lot of stick. I think he, people gave him a lot of stick because he's Nathan Jones's man. Disappears off face of the earth. And then we spend the entire rest of the season square pegging in round holes. Lianka has a go at right back. Walker Peters plays a right back and then he goes to left back. Like, it, do you know what I mean? Like, El Yanisi pops up there sometimes. Like, it's just so weird when they've got mm. this right back. But Paddy was like one of the, in the team of the season, the championship last year. He's not an idiot. No, apparently he's quite good at free kicks. So maybe we'll see a bit yeah. more of him next season once uh, Will Prowse heads off. Um, we've got Paul Unacci. God, I mean, what a waste of money. Hey, do we put him in the Guido Carrillo? He's probably not even as good, is he? No. I mean, I think with Onachi, it's just like he is someone who is completely unsuited to the Premier League. Like, I feel a bit sorry for him. Yeah, I do as well. I do as well, but he's, he's completely unsuited. Like, he has no pace. You know, like, no pace. Yeah, I can actually, like, barely run. And then we play the complete opposite style of football. We, A, don't play him. And then, B, play the complete opposite style of football that would suit it's him anyway. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 again, like, baffling decision-making. And also, like, weirdly enough, though, I can't think of a modern style of football that a player like Onoachu suits. And again, like, you look at the data, right? And yeah, he scores loads of goals in the Jupiter League. No one who's come from the Jupiter League, with the exception of um, oh, guys signed for Everton, signed for Chelsea. Lukaku. Lukaku has ever been a success as a forward in the Premier League. So, like, the data... To, you know, they, again, they look at the data. You look at one strand of data, which is goals in the Jupiter League. It looks great. Performance in the Jupiter League. You extrapolate that to how do these players then perform outside Tom, of that league? They don't do well. Do you, are you saying that, like, even at the age of 38, if I show my stats to Sports Republic <laughs> about my success rate in the garden playing against my eight-year-old and my three-year-old boys, I've got a chance. Can't be any worse on actually, mate. Um... But like, I feel sorry for him. I, it's just a really weird transfer. And well, I mean, it's, it it stinks of desperation, doesn't it? You, you've gone to the last day of the second transfer window, and you knew on the first day of the first transfer window that you needed to get a yeah. proven goal scorer. You don't manage to do that in your first transfer window. It impacts the team in a way that looks like it could send them towards relegation. You've got a new manager in. 
you've got your investment you're looking at your investment going down down the drain and it's got to 31st of january and you still don't have a striker they just needed to get anyone and 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 i think paul who actually was was the one i mean the the last one as well was um (coughs) who i think again could be quite a good player yeah, funny one. Or do we put him in the Adozi category? I think he's a bit better than Adozi. Yeah. But again, we signed a player that I think, what did he have, like one goal and one assist in 20 logo on games? Yeah. He hadn't like done it. And I guess you could argue that we can bound, yeah, bound these like terrible numbers around. But, you know, if you probably try to sign someone who had five goals, and three assists in Liga games is probably a 35 million pound footballer, a yeah. 40 million pound footballer. Like, look at Leeds. Leeds spent like 60 million pound on that. He's a German, you know, young German guy, and he'd scored like seven goals in the Bundesliga. You know, that's the that's how much and, these players cost. Yeah, and and they, to be honest, they're, they're quite likely to get relegated, aren't they, Leeds? I mean, yeah. But again, I just think. Also, the weird thing is, again, like we talk about mad things they've done this season. So we played Brighton on Saturday. We're down. Like we know we're down. We know we're finishing bottom even. So there's not even a question of that. Like you think, you know, you plan for the future. El Yunusi, if the club give him a new contract, then then they're mad. And he obviously doesn't want to sign a new contract. So, but then he's starting. And even like Walcott, is starting. Now, I like Walcott. I think you could argue he's probably been our best player in the second half of this season in Bolivia. But um, he's not the future, is he? And, no. And you can imagine, like, Suleiman is probably, you'd think, is staying because if the club let him go, then why not have to spend the money? So build for the future. Like, Mara and Sulemara probably should have been the front two. It's just, you know, because that's probably the front two that's going to start the championship next year. Yeah. And at least give them a go. I'm not saying Ballard should have started, but I'm saying, like, give those guys a go. Uh, and it's just so weird. Yeah, just give them that that one chance, that moment of experience. I mean, so, obviously, Nathan Jones needed to go. He was clearly too mad to be a Premier League manager. <laughs> Um, and I think, I, I think you know, when you read the articles about him after he got sacked, the the articles were not about what Southampton doing here. It's totally unfair to get rid of Nathan Jones. There there were genuine articles written going, it's so disappointing that Southampton have got rid of Nathan Jones because for the rest of us as neutrals, this is hilarious. It is full yeah. on entertainment. It was a great bit of mid-season entertainment for everyone involved who wasn't involved in a title race or a relegation battle unfortunately well, for no, Southampton, it's great for a relegation battle because you, one of your relegation rivals has handed the keys to a lunatic yeah well and uh, i think that's the thing isn't it when you're in a relegation battle and you survive you, you're like looking and you're like last season you're like okay norwich they're gone we don't need to worry about them anymore and you're just looking for those three teams worse than you and I reckon when we had Ralph, a lot of clubs were thinking, oh, they'll probably do enough to stay up. Yeah. As soon as we had Nathan Jones, they're probably thinking, 
okay we can write southampton off now they've gone nuts um and, and then say yeah fair enough we get rid of there, there's one decision i think that sports Republic got right they sacked nathan jones obviously he was their man in the first place and what a waste of eight premier league games we then get ruben sellers in great performance against chelsea for his first game what i couldn't understand was was why do you then offer him a contract to the end of the season based on one game as a caretaker manager yeah. you know keep your powder dry say to him that's fantastic go and do it again against leeds do it again against leicester and you know there's a good chance that we'll appoint you to the end of the season and he's not going to turn around and go that's completely unfair i've had one result you should appoint me now he's still in dreamland you just didn't need to offer him that contract now if we think about it after four games a win against chelsea a win against leicester and a draw against man united you probably would give him the contract then so yeah yeah maybe that doesn't make make a difference but i think it it just sort of spoke to this sort of like hastiness this weirdness i mean also you sack ralph and you appoint his assistant you appoint the less good version of the guy that you got rid of before the guy that you've just got rid of mm. before. You know, no, nothing makes sense when you look at Southampton season. Nothing. Yeah, it's just mismanagement after poor decision, after incomprehensible thought process, isn't it? And to give Salas, you know, there's a I'm not, Sellers isn't obviously to blame for Nathan Jones's disaster for the crumbling of the Ralph frame, but like Ralph regime, but like you got to think that he obviously he's a common thread that runs through it. And you remember, you remember, you read the same articles I did on the Athletic and stuff. You know, players love Sellers. Sellers has come in as real breath of fresh air. You know, Ralph was a bit aloof and a bit distant, especially from the younger players. And if you're out the team, and Sellers is the guy that. You know, puts his arm around the players. There was talk, you know, I thought they'd get Celeste the job. Um, because mm. obviously the mood music coming out of the club about him was really positive. Um, but to give him the job after one game, one away win, I mean, maybe we just didn't realize how bad Chelsea were at the time. I think people hadn't quite crystallized in their head how much of a horror show they were becoming because mm. I think a win over maybe a win over Chelsea then looked a lot better than a win over Chelsea now um but it was just an awful decision and again one completely like unforced error yeah um just another unforced error that we we we've taken and then we stuck with like you know haven't we? and that's <laughs> you gotta like you got kind of like it's kind of a crazy thing. Like you look at the results, it's just like red, 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 draw against Arsenal. Red, 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 red. Well, I mean, and I, I was going to say this, this is the thing about Ruben Sellers. He's done the unthinkable. He's managed a good chunk of games now, and managed to achieve what nobody thought would be possible, which is a run of games worse than Nathan Jones's eight games in the Premier League. Nathan James' yeah, yeah. eight games in the Premier League are not the worst eight games in a row for Southampton. Sellers has now overtaken him. He has had one point in the last nine games yeah. as a Premier League manager. 
with a team that in theory should be fighting for survival fighting for its life and in some of those games has shown flickers of you know caring a little bit but have they done where where though where what forest away yeah say and that was really the last chance wasn't it that's like i mean yeah i mean it was too late by then anyway it was too late but i this is i mean we played really well against arsenal and then he did the remarkable thing of taking off Romeo Lavia in the ninety-six in the eighty-sixth minute when we're three-one up, cruising to victory. And Arsenal then have about ten chances after that point, scoring from two of them. Yeah. And and it's it's just not again. It's it, like he's. I feel with I feel that. He's never he's never felt right. He's never he's never felt like he's had ownership of the games, has he? No. So it's like it's it's a bit like Jones where it just kind of happens. And you know, for us to be one 0 up against a ten, I know it's it's a away at Man United, it's difficult. But again, like we couldn't see that game out. Three one away at Arsenal, couldn't see that game out. Two one 0 up at home against a, a terrible Wolves team down to ten men, couldn't see that game out. Um, you know, there's been so many, there's been, there's been performances like that where you look at it and you go, well, I don't understand how we can raise our game and then drop it. There's been performances where you look like Spurs at home where they suddenly like get like a rush of togetherness and, and energy. And then there've been so many, well, there've been even more probably the same number of, com- of those two combined of just complete capitulations. Mm. And like, that's your Forest at home, your Bournemouth's at home. You know, I think, and that's, I mean, again, like so, one of the so, worst some things. Some of them the- haven't, even, haven't even deserved the word capitulation, though. Do you know what I mean? They've just been abject from start to finish. Yeah. Well, capitulation suggests they lose, like, by a lot. Like, the Bournemouth game is a classic example of a better coached team coming to St Mary's, realising all they have to do is score once, and they're going to score once because Saints don't keep clean sheets. And that's it. Because we don't score goals. If you can not give free kicks away, we won't score a goal. You know, it just doesn't happen. It's a bleak, bleak, bleak season. Yeah. Where does this leave us? Well, it leaves us in the championship, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's leaves us bottom of the league. The, I, I think we, you know, we were having this argument a l- much, much earlier in the season, and I was putting it that this is the. I, I thought this is the worst Saints team that we'd put out in the Premier League ever, ever in my memory of watching Southampton, and much worse than the team that got relegated from the Premier League before. And that yeah, was it's... full of journeyman players that didn't care Jamie, at all. Jamie Redknapp. Is it Graham Lasso? Yeah. Team? Jamie Redknapp. Crouchy was there. I mean, Crouchy put in an effort, but... Crouchy put in the shift. Yeah. But no, you're right. It feels a lot worse. Um, it feels like they go out with a whimper. And that's the real wounder, isn't it? Like... There's no one you can really say in that team, probably apart from Lavia, that's left it out there this season. They've all 
yeah, even like your Walker Peters, they've not they've not been there. Mm. And that that combined with like some just terrible recruitment. Like, why did we not think about having a left back? Did no one think that we needed a left back? More than one? And, that, yeah. and then to not play the left back we've got? Like, what has Perot done that's so bad that means we take our most effective dribbler of the ball and, and pr- let's face it, pretty much our most effective attacker in Carl Walker-Peters and play him on the wrong side of the pitch rather than play the bloke who actually plays on that side and let Walker-Peters do what he's really, really good at. You know, he's not a bad player, pro, is he? He pretty no, much just always gives you a 6 out of 10 uh, performance and occasionally it gets up to an 8 out of 10. And also he cares. And he yeah. scores your goal. Yeah. And I think, he looks like a professional football player as well. He's old-fashioned. He's a bit like a sort of Jason Dodd, isn't he? Like, you know, mm. he does... He's an old-fashioned what, fullback. I reckon his numbers aren't that great. <laughs> yeah. No, they're not. But I mean, like... Although, I mean, he is third top goal scorer for us this season. No. Chair Adams, 10 goals. James Ward-Prowse, 10 goals. Roman Pereira and Carlos Alcaraz, all goals. Jesus, that's in all competitions, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the league, uh, he's got two. So he's our... Th- the joint third top goal scorer along with Walcott, Aribo and Stewie. I mean, Stewie's another one as well. He hasn't featured enough, has he? I don't know what he says in training. He's probably a Saki. Well, I think he, or, he just or, can't or, play 90 minutes, can he? Yeah, well, and so then managers think, well, if I play him, that's I know I have to take him off after 60 minutes, so I'd rather play someone who where I've got options. Yeah, and also I think he, um, but also it says everything about the negativity of Saints, which is that we would rather we would rather go into a game with a defensively minded setup with players that aren't capable of doing the things that it takes to win a Premier League game, like LUDC, then and then go behind and then throw on Armstrong to try and salvage something then try and win a game from the beginning by having someone like Armstrong on and then be in a position to try and consolidate by taking someone like Armstrong off and putting a more functional player like Ellie Beasley on. Yeah. And that sums up everything and the negativity and the lack of confidence and the lack of belief that that belittles that team is that players like him are viewed as a luxury when actually the idea is to try and win football games. I mean, that, that shouldn't be something that, I mean, if we're going to survive in the championship next season, which I think is my first concern, we need to learn how to win games again. And that requires a complete mentality shift. Um, and if Russell Martin is the guy that they're bringing in, which it looks like it is at the moment, but who knows? Maybe we'll fluff the lines on that like we did with uh, Jesse Marsh. Um, <laughs> maybe we'll have someone else. But there needs to be a complete mindset shift in the whole club for us to then start winning games next season. Because, 
you know it's those sort of un un unsaid things but like the it's the attitude the whole approach to football at Southampton Football Club is just not one that's that's based around a winning mindset and that that needs to change and you know people are talking about oh look at this team this will be great in the championship next season it's like well frankly if the players play like they have this season you could put us against any opposition and we'd have a terrible season any opposition yeah we've seen that we lost to grimsby we drew a Sheffield Wednesday. We limped past Lincoln City. You can see that actually teams in the lower leagues that have an identity, a function, and know how to win games are better than yep. Southampton, despite the riches of talent, training facilities, money, coaches, physios, whatever. 100%. And there is... You know, we will go into that championship season and we're a bad team, right? We're not a very good team and we're a terrible squad, right? So this idea that we're going to go into the championship with a good team is nonsense because we will end up, anything that's good about this club, any player that's talented will go. The Ward Prowse will go. Walker Peters will go. Belakotchat will go. Uh, you'd assume Lavia's going to go Lavia's definitely going to go Alcaraz is probably going to go because you know he's he looks the part and someone like Brighton will will definitely want him Um, so what do we think we're going to be left with we're not going to be left with the talent we're going to be left with you know even like Benrec probably could find a home he's not disgraced himself this second half of the season he's got 40 odd caps for Poland you know, like, so what are we going to be left with? You're going to be left with your Liankos. Elianusi. Well, Elianusi's out of contract. Walcott's out of contract. So, you know, you're going to be left with your Anuachos, your Orsiches, your, your misfits that don't fit in, that no one's going to want, and no one's going to pay the money that we're paying them. And they're never going to leave. Because they don't. Because why are they going to leave? They're never going to leave unless someone pays them the same amount of money. So this idea, like Adams will go, Livramento will go. You know, like we're going to see anything good is going to go. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame with Livramento, isn't it? Like the fact that he had an appearance against Brighton is sort of like his reminder to the world. Hey, I'm alive. Yeah. You, can, uh, you, you can sign me now. I'm, I'm alive and fit. Yeah, but he will, um, you know, they're, they're just, and this is the thing, we're, we're going to be left with next season a squad of misfits and oddballs, Diallo, you know, like players like Diallo and that, and that aren't quite good enough, and kids. And championships are pretty brutal, I'm forgetting the league. Mm. If you're like a, but what I would say is, Bring Don Ballard in. He's, uh, this is the thing, they can't do any worse. They just can't do any worse. What you, all, you, all you can hope is that they keep, you know, Bazzini, who I think has the opportunity to be a good goalkeeper, keep like a Bednarek, keep Perrault. I think a massive win will be keeping Alcaraz. Yeah. Huge win. 
you know, and or and and like a player like Adams, you know, we're left with like Adam Armstrong. You know, like what is going on there? But like it's just so many bad decisions. I mean, also as well, you look at like. If our three strikers are Adam Armstrong, Seku Mare, and Paul on- Onuachi, is any one of them going to get 20 goals? Well, it was Adam Armstrong did before, but that was Adam Armstrong when he probably had the self-belief mm. yeah, and the kind of like like that force of nature that footballers and that athletes can get, of like, this is my destiny. And he, you know, he shot for fun, he scored from everywhere. But now he's going to return to the championship or husk of that player, you know, after two years of Premier League football in which he scored three goals and one in a cup, I think. So, like, it's like it's just unbelievable. Like, to your point, like, Perot's probably scored more goals for Saints in that time than Armstrong. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's not like he's going to go into the championship and suddenly be like, reboot championship out of Armstrong. He's still going to be the complete. The goal's still the same size. It's still the same shape. He's still going to be completely lacking in confidence. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I can, and I could just see that Mara will get bullied in the championship, and Paul and actually, I just, I just don't know enough about him. I think Salamana could maybe be decent in the championship. Yeah, I think Alcaraz could be. Alcaraz could definitely be. Alcaraz is a Premier League footballer. You keep yeah. Alcaraz really well. Could Diallo um, be good in the championship? Maybe. Salisi? He's too small. Salisi ain't staying, is he? Not in a million years. You reckon he's, he's gone? But he's going to sign Obviously. him. Or do you think he'll just go to Italy or Spain or something? Yeah, to Italy or Spain. You know, like, I don't... The, the, again, like, good player. Head's mm. not been in it, is it? Yeah, and I think when we thought, when we had... Bella Kopchap and we had Salisu. All of a sudden, we had these like two really young, dynamic, fast centre backs that looked like the future of, uh, you know, and they're just not. Because again, like what we needed was a Ben Me. Yeah. You know, we needed a Ben Me. But the stats won't let you buy a Ben Me, but you, you know, you needed a Ben Me. Well, I mean, you look at that. So Newcastle United were taken over by the Saudi Arabian government. Um, and sorry, I can't say that by uh, some outfit from Saudi Arabia. And Saints were taken over by Dragon Solak and Sports Republic, basically a few weeks apart from each other. And you would probably say at the time, Southampton had a more impressive manager than Newcastle. Mm. With Ralph Ralph Hasenhüttl versus Eddie Howe, and you look at the sort of players that Newcastle had versus the players that Southampton had, similar sort of squad quality. And then you look at the signings that Newcastle have made, where they have used that, where they have brought in players with experience. They've brought yep. players that can do the job during that transition phase. Before, you know, now they've got Champions League football, they'll be able to start to attract proper stars but they took the good you know mid to high level players that were available were experienced could do a job could fit into a system that eddie howe wanted to play and and actually if you were to say which one of those clubs did the money ball approach you'd probably say newcastle looked at the data 
they looked at someone like Kieran Trippier and said, okay, he's been playing outside of the Premier League. His numbers are quite good in Italy. Do we still think he can do it in the Premier League? And they've made a judgment that says, yes, he can. And they were correct. They've looked at people like Almiron and gone, can we get a tune out of Almiron? You know, this is what his numbers look like. Eddie Howe thinks we can. And he's got better. Um, and, and you look at some of the players that knocked us out of the, the League Cup semi-final, who two seasons ago, you just wouldn't have feared at all. And they now look, you know, they just look like much better players than, than anything that Southampton has got out on the pitch. Some of them are the same players, and it, they're like it's. We've gone on completely different trajectories since since the takeovers, and I know Newcastle are significantly more wealthy than uh, Southampton, but it's the wealth hasn't necessarily been the differentiator between the two. Saints have invested a lot of money. They've invested it very very badly. They've made every major decision they've made has, has gone wrong. Yeah. I mean, uh, what I would say about the money that Newcastle spent is they've signed some players, very astute players, but also spent like a ton of money on the opposite and Botman, you know, and players like that and Gamara. Mm. But your your broader point is, of course, correct, which is, all right, talk about Newcastle. Chris Wood, right? Not a glamorous footballer. Proven Premier League footballer who's always chipped in about 10 goals a season in a Burnley team, okay? And is a real handful. He goes in the January transfer window on loan to Forest, and we sign, instead, we spend £18 million on a bloke who is the same size or a little bit taller in Onomachu, who's never played in a decent league. So, like, you know, Wood's available, and obviously, like, Forest can pay a lot more money than us, but, like... Yeah but, yeah, but can they? Why? why? We've spent more well, money, money than anyone yeah. else other than Chelsea in January. Yeah. So, well, you know, maybe, maybe we have got the funds. We, we just yeah. spend it badly. And But this is the thing. So it's like you, you look and you're like, well, you've got Chris Wood. Yeah, he's not very glamorous. But the guy kept Burnley in the Premier League, didn't he? For a good couple of seasons and was always a handful and always scored against us. And he knows what he's doing. And he, he's a leader. He's an international footballer. And they're like, oh, no, no, but he's on free. We're going to sign that guy from the Belgian league instead, actually. Well, well we've got to pay £18 million pounds of we've actual got to pay money. Pounds. It's just a totally nuts thing. And, mm. you know, the more telling example is, is like a Bournemouth who just have better coached. Better coached yeah. players who want it more. They're not better footballers. You know, look at that Brighton. Brighton have done what Brighton are Saints from five years ago. Yeah. Um, five, six years ago, but, um, you know, they'll get, the bones will get picked there, but, yeah, I don't know, John, I think the championship's going to be really hard. I think it is. I think we'll struggle a little bit. I'm really excited about Plymouth away, because finally we can get to a game. uh, It would be a long walk, but, yeah, I mean, I can get there in under half an hour, which is, you know, it's like a good three and a half, four hours drive for me to get to St. Mary's at the moment. So that's 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 the uh, silver line. I mean, Tom, I think on what has undoubtedly been maybe the most depressing podcast we've ever <laughs> recorded, um, should we finish with perhaps your favourite 
favourite one or two moments from this stay in the Premier League? Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Um, I think uh, from the stay, I, th- I think the uh, first, I think the Cumin era with, um, I think like if you look at like a game like the, the, there's so many good games, like the Villa game where Shane Long scored that, I think it's a wonderful goal, that chip, or, you know, where we beat Villa. Was that the one where we won like 8-0 or something? No, that that was the Sunderland game that we won. Eight, that was Sunderland games. Sorry, yeah, so we got those two. So I think the 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 Villa game where we was won, was uh, it where Shane Long scored a world in Sadio Mane scored Shane, the world's fastest yeah. hat trick. Yeah, because like it kind of some we were just so exciting, weren't we? Yeah, we were like such a ball of energy, and we had players. And I think you know another one you could say from that time is the is it. The three one at home against Liverpool two one where we were or three two where we were two 0 yeah, down. Yeah, three two two 0 down at half time. You know, and it's just there's just so many that team of of real exciting players. Um, and the other one I'd I'd say is when we beat Newcastle two 0 at their place in lockdown and we went top because it seemed just that. It was all coming together, didn't it? It just seemed like Ralph had cracked it. Mm. Like we had something. We had we'd got lightning in a bottle, and we had we'd managed like it was working. And the press, which do you remember the press, John? When we used to do the yeah, press. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was really that exciting was football. That was the rock really and roll so football we were promised. Yeah. And and but we now we just stopped doing tactics apparently. But like, you know, that game against Newcastle we went top because both goals came from the press. Um, and it and it you know, that I think that was a highlight because you just felt mm. you knew you weren't going to win the league, but you were like, man, this this team, they got something here. Yeah. I mean that that Cumin era was bizarre. I mean one of my favourite moments was when um. Cuckoo Martina smashed in. You were there. <laughs> Worldy, yeah, on Boxing Day. Um, and we beat Arsenal 4 0. I just, I just think that was great. I think probably my favourite moment, though, was the Sadio Mane hat trick. Um, yep. And I, I was going with my mate, Phil Webb, who's just uh, been elected as a councillor in Southampton. So congratulations to Phil. Um, <clears throat> he, he was playing in a f- football match like a Sunday league game and it was the final and he said to me he's like I'll be all right as long as the game doesn't go to penalties and the game went to penalties they lost on penalties and he got to the ground and had missed Sadio Mane's entire record-breaking hat-trick um so I watched that with an empty seat next to me and then Phil joined like a few minutes later but I mean it was that that era was just so exciting Mm. it was so good I mean but even just like when Pochettino came in and we had that. We, we just played well. We had games against Man City. There's the cup final run. I mean, Manolo Gabbiadini scoring the equaliser yeah. in the League Cup. I know that's like not that Premier was League. Big. That's that sort that's of sundry items to the whole Premier League experience. I'll tell you what, another one. Um, we always talk about it, the Fulham away game. But also, what about when Ricky Lambert scored with his first touch for England at Scotland? Didn't, yeah, that, didn't that almost typify the rise of Southampton from League One to the Premier League? 
and our guy who we'd signed from Bristol Rovers used to be packing beetroots. We we loved as much as, you know, we loved Matt Letizia during his pomp and he comes on for England and he just smashes in that header. I I just miss having someone like Ricky Lambert as well. Like you just get the ball in the final third of the pitch and you knew you had a good chance of scoring. It's funny, isn't it? Because you people say, oh, you know, modern footballers, they're not relatable. And they're not. And the one the one we had this season that people thought was relatable was Lianco. It turns out he's not relatable, he's certifiable. And um like but like you felt like you knew him, didn't you? Like when that goal went in, I was watching it with my dad and my dad's happy. I remember it clear as anything. And that corner from Leighton Baines. And like he just attacks it with such ferocity. You know, almost like everyone else has been told to stand still. But the joy on his face and the joy on the other players' faces, which I think was a combination of, yeah, it's great you've scored, but also because they know the story, you know, and they probably have respect. So it was a really great moment. I think that's a really nice uh, one to choose because, if, because yeah, because there's that team, that the swagger of some of those teams. And I think, you know, to your point, like Mada, uh, Mane, Tadic, Hella, you know, Lalana, Lambert, Rodriguez for me was the, you know, that was mm. when we felt like, that was the Pochettino, wasn't it? And you felt like we could really do something. Um, and I think, yeah, those 3 0 away at Fulham, well, yeah. three of them scored, and you were like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Uh, loads of great moments, some really great players. So Stephen Davis brace at last. Ever team to win away at White Hart Lane? Yeah. The uh I would say as well. Uh yeah, last ever team to win away at Hart Lane. There's so many. I mean, like, you know, Charlie Austin's going away at Man United. That was glorious. <laughs> I think I was, I was decorating my landing listening to the radio when that went in. Hate <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Um I think like Ward Prowse obviously deserves a special mention because obviously, you know, we're not going to see him again, not certainly playing for Saints and uh, apart from maybe we'll get his farewell on Sunday. And, um, you know, his free kicks have just been remarkable, the consistency. And I think the two free kicks in one game against Villa. That was special, wasn't it? Where he was just like... Against World Cup winning goalkeeper, Martinez. Yeah. But, you know, he was just, they were like exosets, weren't they? Like, <clears throat> and they were gone. And... Yeah. Um, Here you go. Best really goal we've players. scored in the Premier League era. And, and the reason why I just suddenly bring this up now is because that Ward Prowse free kick against Wolves, away to yeah, Wolves. Special. That is unreal. Unreal. And also something I you don't see. Like, there's lots of other good goals, but I've not seen anyone score a free kick like that. Like, I think Ronaldo did one once. Obviously, you got Gaza against. The FA Cup semi final or the FA Cup final did one. Um, Roberto I would, Carlos. Roberto Carlos. That's it. Though. That's it. You can count them all in one hand. I think um, I would say uh, it's a not obvious one, but Nathan Redmond against Chelsea away. That was wonderful. Was that Boxing Day as well? We won, didn't we? And yeah. other scored, scored an absolute worldie. And then we passed about 25 passes and then chipped the ball into that post. And that was a great goal. Yeah. 
Nathan Redmond scored a lot of good goals for Southampton in this era. He only scored good goals, didn't he? Yeah. Oh. Say, what's your favourite goal? I mean, Kiko Martina is probably the one yeah. that that I'll I'll remember. But I mean, there are some really good shouts. I love the Jay Rodriguez one away to Fulham. Do you mean the Lambert one? I oh, know it was it was very the Jay Rodriguez one. Lambert, it? Passes from he Lambert. Yeah. Just the defender on his ass and then just pass the goal. Oh, what about Sofian Buffon's goal? Oh, against West, West Brom. Brom, where the two defenders crash into each other because his mazy run is just so incredible. They, I mean, that was like a sort of a cartoon esque Roy of the Rovers type goal, wasn't it? I mean. Yeah, that, I was in the pub watching that, and uh, it was a dire game. And then he just did a piece of magic that he always had the talent to do. He just never, again, never applied yeah. it consistently. Now he's playing in like the Middle East. Yeah. So anyway, listeners, SaintsFCPodcast at gmail dot com. Tell us what your best memory was from this Premier League era. Um, I don't know. Tom and I probably won't record another episode this season. I think I think we're done. I don't think I can see an awards, you know, this no. season warrants an awards episode. Um, It'd be interesting. Will the, will the club do the awards, end of season player awards? They normally do, but I can't imagine it's a good PR yeah. move in this circumstance. Um, but yeah, let's let's hope that we have something interesting to talk about next season. And, I suppose it'll be interesting next season for a lot of our international fans who have started following the Saints in the last 12, 11 years. I mean, how much championship football do you get in the far-flung place on the planet? You might need to look at getting yourselves a dodgy Amazon Fire Stick. It's probably uh, the only way you can guarantee watching Saints. Um, you know, you're going to learn about places like Hull. No, Rotherham. Rotherham, yeah. It's not all bad. It's not all bad. I, you know, I can water Millwall. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, there we go. I think I think we're done, Tom. Yeah, I think so. Shall I roll the music? Roll the One music for the last time in the Premier League. In the Premier League. There we go. That's not the music. That's the wrong music. Hang on. <laughs> that sounds more like it. All right. Cheerio, everyone.